Prayer is just talking to God. We can come anytime, anyplace, anywhere about anything. Often I said earlier is when we, when we think about prayer, sometimes people say that prayer is asking for something. In fact, that's how they look at it. They say, oh yeah, my prayer is I come to God and I ask for something. And we make requests and there's nothing wrong with that. But there are different words in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, that talk, us, talk to us about the different ways that we pray and the different kinds of prayer in the Bible. And so this morning, we're going to look at those. We'll, we'll look at, uh, there's five, and we're going to look at three in detail. We'll look at the fourth one. We'll just get started on that one, and then we'll finish up next week with those final two, because there's a lot in them. And so let me give a brief review, and this is what we know, because let's think about what we know. We know, first of all, that prayer is just simply talking to God. Anytime, anyplace, anywhere, we can just talk to Him. And I think it's so wonderful to know that the Creator of everything allows the creation, us, to be able to talk to him anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Nothing, no, there's no barrier. You can talk to him anytime. Who can approach him? The truth is anyone can approach him. There's, uh, I've had people teach that, uh, people say that only believers can really come to God. That no, anybody, We already saw from the Bible that a guy named Cornelius, who was an unbeliever, actually lifted up his prayer request to God, and, and an angel came and said, God has heard your prayers. So the truth is this, anybody can pray. Unbelievers and believers can pray to God. We know that we as believers come to God in a family relationship. We come as a child to the Father. An unbeliever doesn't come in a family relationship because they're not in the family of God, but they they can come as the creation to the creator and hears it all and knows it all. So anyone, anybody can approach God. We looked at the importance of prayer in the early church. We saw it in the life of Christ. We saw it in the early church, the belief, you know, importance of prayer in the early church, Christ. And then even in our lives, we saw the importance of prayer. And we saw a lot of great things, but then we raised these two kind of hard questions and uh, I made this statement uh, that maybe I shouldn't even have brought these questions up, but I think they're very vital to think about is this. Why pray if God already knows everything? And he does. We're not telling him anything. We've already looked at some verses that say he knows what we're going to ask him before we pray. So some people would say if God already knows what you're going to ask him, why even ask him? And then the second one is why pray? Because does it make a difference since God is sovereign and he's working out his plan anyway? And so if we pray for somebody to get well, but if their sovereign plan of God is something else, how do we even know? So sometimes we raise those questions, but here's what we said. We said we, we pray. Why? Number one is because it shows our submission to him. There's a humility aspect that we come under his authority and say, we, we know that you're God and you can do anything and you hear anything. And so as your children, we're coming to you. It shows submission. The second thing is, and this is one that a lot of you even brought up, is that it shows our communication and fellowship. I mean, this is how we talk to God. God talks to us through the word, but we talk to God through prayer. And so why pray? It's, we're not always coming to God to ask him for something. We're coming to God for who he is and talking to him and you know praising his name and everything. And so it's also a communication and fellowship. This is the way that we maintain our fellowship with him. And so we see that. And then the third thing was, which is beyond the comprehension, this is the one that's really hard, and that is God uses our prayers to fulfill his plan. Even when we pray, and we don't know what to even ask for sometimes, and we pray, and we pray, say, oh Lord, please get this person well, God may have in his sovereign plan using our prayer to bring the request to bring about his plan. And so you can't say, it doesn't matter, it does matter. God takes everything, uses it. He's such a great God that he can use our free will, our choices that we're accountable for, our prayers that we can lift up, and he takes all of that, 
puts it and is all connected in his sovereign plan, it's beyond our comprehension. But I think it's very, very vital that we looked at that. So there's some, there's some great things there. And, uh, and that, it's hard. And let me just tell you, if you come to the Bible and there's nothing hard in it, it's probably not the Bible. I mean, if something's wrong, if you come to the, to the, to the almighty, eternal, infinite God who has given us revelation and you say, I understand everything completely, then you must be God. I mean, let's face it, right? We're looking at this thing and we're saying, uh, like the Sermon on the Mount. We're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Let me tell you, the Sermon on the Mount's hard. Those three chapters, the, the verses we're looking at this morning, we're looking at the Beatitudes. And people just say the Beatitudes as if it's nothing. Listen to their attitude about the Beatitudes. But anyway, the bottom line is, there's some deep stuff just in blessed are this, blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who are meek, they shall inherit the earth. What in the world does all that mean? And we'll talk about it this morning, but there's nothing easy there. And then when you get over into chapter 6 and 7, there's some really hard things that he tells us. You get to chapter 13 of Matthew, really hard on those parables. You get to Matthew 24, 25. What's the flow? What's he talking about? I mean, so when you study the Bible, there are hard things. And let me tell you, to know that you can lift up a prayer request and that fits in the sovereign plan of God, which he has planned from the beginning of the ages. How does that work? It's beyond us. So there's some great things in the Scripture, and they're deep. So this morning, if you want to, you're in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. I want you to look at verse 1 just for a second. 1 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 1. He says, first of all, then I urge that, and notice he says, entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be, ma- be made on behalf of all men. We'd say all mankind, all people. So you, you can actually look right there. There are four words for prayer. Entreat, this, I'm using the New American Standard. You may have something a little bit differently. I'll show you the words when we get to them in just a minute. But mine says, entreaties, prayers, petition, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. There are four words right there in one verse that are for prayer, and they all mean something different. And so when we look, we're actually there are actually five words that we want to focus on in the New Testament dealing with prayer. The first one is the word for petition, and we'll talk more about it in a second. That means to ask for something for yourself. There's a second word, worship, which means to praise and honor and glorify Christ. There's a third word, intercession, which means to ask for something for somebody else. There's a word, thanksgiving, which actually has the idea of being thankful and, and in a sense, praising God in a different type of way. And then there's the word, confession, which so many people, when you say confess your sins, they say, yeah, ask for forgiveness. The word confession doesn't mean ask for forgiveness. The word confession means to tell on yourself. So we'll talk more about that one when we get to it, and we'll get to it more next week. But there's, so there are five words that we're going to look at as we go through this. So four of the five are found in this verse. And then there's some other places in the New Testament where four of the five are found there, and, and we'll just see them over and over and over. So there's a number of words, but there's the five different things. Let's start with chapter 2, verse 1, and let, let's talk about how this fits together. He says, first, 